Finally, good to meet you. Yes. How was church today? Um, it, it was really good. It's always a good message. Always, uh, you know, it helps me set my intention for the week. You know, it's good. It was good. Yeah. What join church? me next next time. Yeah. What church do you go to? Um, it's called Word Assembly in Tracy. Okay. The motto is where the word works. I used to go to a church in Indianapolis that I loved, and it's, it's from the MCC denomination. Are you familiar with MCC? Metropolitan Community uh, yeah, Church. We, yeah, we actually have one out in this area, oh, okay. in the Modesto Central Valley area. Yeah, I've heard of it. The one in Indianapolis is a really good church. Really enjoy it. It's somewhat conservative theologically, but but socially, I mean, it's LGBTQ. It's a really, yeah. really great church. Yeah, um, our, I mean, our church is a great church. I wouldn't say that it's it's not LGBTQ. It's it's a welcoming church. So if you walk in through the door, everybody's going to love on you. That's what my wife and I were looking for. We were just mm -hmm. looking for a space where we can just worship as our authentic selves. And four years later, we're still there, have yeah. a great relationship with the pastor. Yeah. Nice. Changed our lives better. Did everything go online during the pandemic and then just kind of stay there? So we've slowly gone back into the building, but you can also watch from the comfort of your own home as well. So we've watched it online lately because we, we live about an hour or so away. So we watch it online, but we would definitely like to get back into the building. But we know God is everywhere too, so. Yeah, I think as humans though, we get a lot out of the connection that happens when you're actually in person. That's how yeah. I feel. I can watch the, the church from Indianapolis online too. It's just not the same for me. I guess everything is no. changing. No, I definitely agree. I love being in the presence of other members because you know I think we're designed like that. And I think COVID has really uh, prevented us from that human connection, that people are getting used to that now. I can't, I can't get used to being isolated. <laughs> yeah, are you a pretty extroverted person? I've come to find out I'm both. Okay. When I was younger, it was hard for me to be by myself. I always needed company. I thought it was weird when other people would say they'd go to the movies by themselves or out to eat by themselves. I tried that once and I was like literally fidgeting. Like I didn't know what to do with myself. But as I've gotten older and really learned more about who Sam is, I can stand sitting with myself. I have always been selectively extroverted, <laughs> yeah. but I would say organically introverted. Because I can go for a long time without being in the presence of other people. I think that's kind of what led to the last 27 years of uh, being a truck driver. Yeah, you're alone half the time. Yes. <laughs> I spent so many years on the road. Sometimes it felt like I needed to kind of reacclimate to, yeah. you know, just being around people. But what's interesting is that um, a lot of people who see me like at church or something like that, they'll assume that I'm extroverted. Yeah. I mean, you have, it sounds like you have a healthy balance. Like yeah. you said, you're selectively extroverted mm -hmm. and you still know how to communicate and engage with other people. What is the benefit or the reward in, in being alone? Like, do you find that you're able to accomplish more? What, what, what do you get out of that? That is a really great question. 
I think a knee-jerk response to that would be, oh, I just like, you know, listening to music or listening to audiobook, you know, a podcast, you know, I just kind of like binge podcasts. And so I would say that the knee-jerk answer is just because I like engaging my mind elsewhere, but I would say the true answer has more to do with, this is going to sound terrible, but I think it's selfishness. And the reason I say that is because, at least for me, I can only speak for myself, but when I think about spending time with someone, if there is not a start time and an end time, I get really nervous. If I just say, we're going to go to this party, then I I need to know more details. It's like, how long is the party? How long will we be there? Uh, When will we go? So I kind of need to know what the parameters are in order to gauge my capacity for spending time with strangers or even people that I know. It's like having that that definite end time where I can say, okay, it looks like it is eight o'clock. I'm going to be <laughs> heading home. Um, I think I, I get a certain amount of security from that. When I think about spending time by myself, like days, weeks, months on the road as a solo truck driver, it's like, I never have to worry about demands being made on my time other than like for work. And so there's a certain amount of freedom in that. So it sounds like you, you like to have more control of your freedom and your time. I think so. When something yeah. starts, when something ends, I feel it. Right. And it's even better if you can connect with people that are like that too. Right. My wife it, is like that. Oh yeah. All of the details before she does anything. It's good, but then I feel like you may miss out on the excitement that may happen. Because life is meant to be enjoyed. It's supposed to be spontaneous at times. Like fly by the seat of my pants type person. Yeah. <laughs> but that's where we balance each other, you know? Right, so right. It, 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 it both works. It, it works for us. What's, what's interesting about my particular personality is while I myself have a limited uh, capacity for spending time with people I don't know. I've always been attracted to people who have an endless supply of socializing skills. I just think it's so fun to hang out with people who throw care to the wind. (laughs) Yeah, It's funny you say that because my wife and I just celebrated our anniversary and that's literally what happened while we were out eating. The way that the restaurant is set up, it's just, it's sit wherever you want to sit. So like you're literally sitting amongst strangers and the the group to the left of us, we just all started a conversation and literally talked the entire time we were there and didn't know them from a can of paint. So that's what I'm saying. Like, that's what life is about. It's just meeting and connecting with random people, you know? Um, yeah. You mentioned something about personality. I was going to ask a question. Um, did you learn more about your personality through that uh how do you pronounce that? If the Enneagram. Enneagram. I know you yeah. mentioned your interest in that. Absolutely. Um, I have learned so much about myself through um, learning yeah. about the Enneagram. I've always enjoyed personality profiles and stuff. But Me too. Um, yeah. It's just so cool to identify yourself and see where you fit. You've mentioned that you are not fond of labels. I think they limit us. What I love about the Enneagram is it fits for people who like labels and it fits for people who don't like labels. 
I don't like labels. <laughs> I love labels. <laughs> I love labels. It's it's like that's how I identify my world. It, it's like you know, just kind of seeing where I fit, and I and I get a sense of belonging by claiming and owning labels of you know i am a husband or i am a you know an introvert or i am a fill in the blank when when i got to know the enneagram mm -hmm. i was so confused about where i fit in the enneagram profile there's nine distinct personality types and when i was learning about it is like i don't i don't know i don't i don't really fit into any one particular i i feel like i am part of all of them and yeah. when I started learning more about it, I did eventually identify myself as one of those particular personality types. But what I love about the Enneagram is all nine of them exist in all of us. We are all nine of them. It's just that there is one of them that we'll gravitate toward. I tell you what, just experiencing life with the Enneagram as a lens has really helped me because there are things that, you know, I don't like about someone. And I'll look at the, you know, the Enneagram and I'll be like, oh, it's because they are such and such. And that's, you know, their motivation for being that way is because they're scared or because they are, you know, they're looking for uh, acceptance or, or something like that. And so it, it just helps me to kind of offer grace, not only to other people, but to myself. Yeah. I have a, so I have a question when I, when you said the Enneagram has helped shape your life and create this lens for you. Do you agree or disagree with the statement where when people say, if you don't like someone, it's more than likely it's something you don't like about yourself. Mm. When you look at someone and, and it's something that you don't like about them, I feel like we're a mirror of each other. Mm -hmm. So if I look at you and I say, well, I don't like this about Brent, then it's, it's something deep down inside that I don't like about myself. I think it depends. That happens a lot. I am also of the opinion that mm -hmm. there are sometimes things that we don't like about someone because it is a polar opposite of us. We are, yeah. I think that a lot of us really feel much more comfortable being around people who we identify with and relate to. And if yeah. someone is so completely not like us uh, in fundamental ways, that can also be a reason why people will say, I don't like that person. So I think it's both. I know that Desiree has on a number of occasions mentioned that one of the foundations of a, a particular conflict that we're having that, that she feels will, she'll later look at it and see that, oh yeah, we both do that. <laughs> So if you guys both notice you do something, like how do you work with that within your relationship? I think that also depends on the, on the circumstances, but I would say like, let's say it's, um, I'm just gonna make something up. Um, no, we need a real example, man. <laughs> okay, I'll give you a real example then. So we have a little cabinet right to the side of our uh, our toilet in the bathroom. And that's where we keep our toilet paper. And every now and then, when you go to reach for it, there will be nothing there. <laughs> now, that has often happened as a result of my forgetfulness to replenish the toilet paper supply. But um, every now and then it will happen when Desiree was the last one to use the room. So before that conclusion, 
she was thinking that it was mainly just when I when I was the last one to use the restroom, and and so it became really frustrating for her. We have such good communication that when we don't have good communication, it's really noticeable. So we just had to talk about it. We just had to figure out strategies uh, around offering grace to each other. And if there's something that we don't like, being open and receptive to the fact that sometimes it is something that we both do. Definitely relate. Um, communication is very important. Like being open and honest about how you're feeling. And I'd like to share, like my wife and I recently uh, attended a workshop of one of our friends who's a therapist and she does art therapy. Mm. And it was around communication and how each and one of us, you know, we communicate differently. So my wife is a literal communicator. What we realized in that is like, my wife literally takes what I say literally. So that's why I have to be intentional on how I communicate things. So we started doing this thing where we we release the expectations of each other and we've come up with agreements. So like just with that whole toilet paper thing, like I would say to her, like, can you agree when there's no toilet paper <laughs> remaining that you will replenish it? And since we've been doing that, that literally has improved our communication across the board. Like making agreements instead of having an expectation from each right. other. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that Desiree and I like doing is coming up with shorthand for something that occurs more than once, you know, like when we first started dating, yeah. you know how in the first you know few weeks, nobody is uh, mad at each other because everybody's on their best behavior. Um, yeah. and everything, everything is cute and adorable. And oh my God, where have you been all my life? And then when, when we had our first argument, yeah, when we were talking about it, over the course of the next couple of hours, uh, you know, trying to sort out what exactly happened and what we wanted to say about it um, and yeah. how we felt about it. We kind of use this analogy of a hornet where you can't quite place it, but you can hear it kind of buzzing around and it, it sounds threatening. Can't quite figure out where it's at until you do and it stings you. And so we use that analogy in our conversation around this argument and that became a shorthand. Over the, the course of our relationship, if I come to her and say, baby, is there a hornet? That is all we have to say. And it's like, uh, yeah, there is. So having little shorthand communication like that has really taken shape in our relationship for a variety of different things. So that, so that we can say one thing and understand exactly what the, the other person is saying and meaning by what they're I, saying. Yeah, I'm gonna have to use that because I think that it, that would even help in a situation where you're like you're out and about and mm -hmm. something happens and you're really frustrated and you wanna handle it right then and there. You can like use a, a shorthand word. Exactly, and the other people in the room or in the, in the building don't even need to know what you're talking about. The shorthand is clear. Mm -hmm. Might not want to say there's a hornet around, but you know, that might freak some people out. <laughs> <laughs>